Welcome to the Next Level Brands podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast, brought to you as always by the crew at nextlevelbrands.com. If you have a growing firm in food, beverage, or health and wellness, please check out the services offered at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's. Workshops, founder coaching, fractional marketing and sales resources, and a whole lot more. More information available at nextlevelbrands.com. Next with two X's. Take your brand to the next level with Next Level Brands. I'm Steve Clear. Today, we're going to be talking about building a brand, not from startup, but from an existing business and the role of an entrepreneur in that transformation. There are unique challenges and rewards. Our guest is Austin Kelly. He is the natural food CPG expert and also CEO of Willamette Valley Pie. Austin is applying his expertise in brand excellence and industry innovation to the number one selling pie and cobbler brand in the natural channel. For three generations, the Willamette Valley Pie family has been handcrafting their all-natural ingredients into pies and cobblers. Their niche-specific CPG and brand-first strategies have positioned them as a leader in their space. Austin brings his diverse CPG background to an already great product. His background includes stints at Dave's Killer Bread, Bridgerton Naturals, and Mason Dixie Foods. Welcome to the show, Austin. Hey, excited to be here, Steve. So, you know, it, interestingly enough, we've we've actually worked with a couple of people and had on guests, folks who were natural entrepreneurs for sure, but were working usually within organizations, it changes and stuff. And, you know, you've kind of followed that path a little bit. And now being CEO, very different than consulting or, you know, working just in operations. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, a little bit about Willamette Valley Pies. And it is Willamette. Yep. Not, not Willamette. Yeah, you got it right. <laughs> that's that's because I spent some time in the Northwest, right? So, and, and and also wine country. So that that's important sure. too. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the business, the history of the business and how you got there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, a, it's an amazing story, Steve. The, you know, Willamette Valley Pie Company. The family, the the Roth family has been growing berries in the Willamette Valley here in Oregon for nearly 100 years. And in the late 90s, our founder, Jerry, saw a need for freezing that that fruit that they, you know was coming off of the farms and other local farms and taking that to the frozen market. So we started IQF freezing some of that fruit under the Willamette Valley Fruit Company name. And then a couple of years later, vertically integrated because he saw an opportunity to continue to vertically integrate and take that frozen fruit and now turn it into finished products, pies, cobblers, crisps, so on and so forth. So when my pie company was born in the early 2000s, and we've just grown very, very organically. We were never set. We never set out <laughs> to create a big, big brand. It, it developed very organically just by developing a really, really premium handcrafted product. We wanted people to be able to experience the flavors of the Pacific Northwest. We're known for our fruit quality. We're known for wines. We grow some of the best berries in the world here. And so we wanted people to be able to experience those. Started making pies, selling them at local local grocery stores. We have a small retail store on, on our farm, actually. Oh, cool. And and then it just kind of took off from there. And you know, over the last over the last 20 years or so, now we've Produce private label products for you know retailers across the country, and then our branded products are found in freezers, freezer sections of grocery stores all over the country. And and so you had a little experience, of course, with with Dave's Killer Bread in terms of kind of that that was well, not frozen, but sort of bakery items and whatever else. How did you come to meet the people at Willamette, and and why did why did you get the nod? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's 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 crazy that the food industry, especially natural food, is just a very very small world. 
just the power of networking is huge. I actually started my career even before Dave Skiller Bread. I, I started in fruit. I've always worked in, in food. So my first job at 15 years old was in a cherry orchard harvesting cherries. And they would eventually go on to be frozen and, and go into products like pies. So I've always been in food, worked, worked on manufacturing lines, worked in sanitation, worked in QA, and then eventually got, you know, took on, you know, further management roles with Dave Skiller Bread and some other brands I've just been blessed to work with. Anyway, so, you know, you take my background, you know, my, how I started with fruit and then I moved into the bakery space and worked with bread and other baked goods. And then, you know, during some time with Bridgetown Natural Foods and Mason Dixie, all kind of in the bakery space, throw fruit and baking together and you get pie. So it was kind of, a, it was kind of a natural fit. Uh, I had met the owners through some, some mutual contacts, you know, here in the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, we started to get together and, and chat about their vision for growth and what they thought the brand could do. And it was just a really, really perfect alignment from a, from a values perspective. And you and I've talked very briefly about some of the unique challenges of working with family owned organizations and stuff. But when you get hired for a position like that, and you come from a background within the industry, you're sort of positioned as a leader of change. Right. And Perfect. yeah, that, that isn't always easy. But when you came on board and with, without getting into any proprietary things or whatever else, when you came on board and you were looking at the organization, where were the areas that you said, hey, this could really be improved? Yeah. You know, I mean, when I came on board, we had zero marketing whatsoever. We had one salesperson and you know, the business had really just grown waiting for retailers and distributors to call us and they would call us and ask us to put the product on the shelf and then we would start a new account which is really amazing that just word of mouth spread so much that this brand grew um but i really saw the opportunity to to come in you know we needed to build out a team really get to know our customers and really you know what i was uh, super amazed by was as i started listening to consumers understanding just how passionate folks are about this brand and how Willamette Valley Pies became a part of their family traditions. Mm -hmm. They would, you know, they always brought it to Thanksgiving. They brought it to their family, you know, barbecues and Mother's Day and so on and so forth. And it became part of their family connection. And so it was really special. We started listening to consumers a ton. You, as you talk about change, it's funny because we saw change I mean, across the whole organization, especially as we've been ramping up growth. We had to bring in some, you know, some additional leadership to the organization. But at the same time, you know, one thing I've been very careful about is we didn't want to just drop a playbook out that, you know, the stuff that works for other companies doesn't work, you know, for all companies. Right. So you yep. Follow the same playbook that you followed somewhere else. And so we really wanted to, be, I wanted to be careful of that. I wanted to make sure that we protected the culture here because the brand is working. The product was fantastic. And so, you know, we've been doing innovation. We've done our new rebrand you know, that people will be seeing this fall to kind of refresh packaging and, and really call out some of the big attributes. But all in all, we're staying very true to kind of the, the core competency of the brand, staying true to the all natural, you know, non-GMO projects, verified ingredients, uh, and, you know, staying true to that artisan kind of handcrafted right. quality. Now, again, development, mostly within natural channel and local, did you look at, okay, we can move from natural channel to conventional, or where did you see the growth like geographically or by chain or how did you vision that? Yeah. You know, we really wanted to, I think that there's a trap that a lot of entrepreneurs get into where they chase points of distribution and it's, it's very oh, yeah. uh, bad. 
<laughs> it's very tempting for, especially as a new brand with a great product, to go chase every buyer in the country and just get product on the shelf. We wanted to take a much more methodical approach. You know, obviously we had some good traction in the natural channel and some strong performance. We had some some specific conventional retailers here in the Pacific Northwest that we we trialed out, got some good data stories, and now we're really expanding. You know, with the right accounts and we're being strategic about what retailers we go into. And so some of those are in conventional, but even with those conventional grocery buyers, we come in and we say, Hey, we don't want all of your stores. We just want to go into, you know, the higher performing stores. Let's target geographical areas where we can really market well, you know, where our consumers are based and, you know, let's do this methodically rather than just going after, you know, every, every store in the country. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a common the thing for people to read the data and, you know, and, and I've worked with a, a great sales guy one time who would open all of his presentations with the increased points of distribution. And after about the third time, third meeting, I sat there, I said, you know, there's, there's a little problem here. Where, what are the sales per point of distribution? Right. Because right. I, that's, that's really much more important dynamic as far in metric, as far as, you know, what's going on, but yeah. uh, within the, within the frozen, I've done a little work in the frozen category in the past, frozen baked goods, not exactly an exciting category, not really known for innovation, not really known for healthy or, you know, what is certified or any of those things. When you guys were looking at that, did you, did you look and say, Hey, you know, wow, there's, there's probably some white space in here. If we can just move the pizzas over a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because pretty much every household in America consumes pie multiple times a year. And so, you know, the pie industry is actually pretty large, both both in-store bakery and in the frozen set. So when we looked at frozen pies and we started really analyzing the market, we saw all of the big, big name brands, right? The Marie Callender's and Sara Lee and so on, Edwards brands. Yep. All, but they all played in the same kind of price range, all commodity level pricing. There was no clear premium winner. And we saw a big opportunity there to be, you know, to disrupt that with a premium artisan crafted product, you know, something that you would find at your local bakery. And so we took that and, and that's really how we've been leaning in in the freezer. We also have, you know, really focused on taking that non-GMO project commitment and taking that to the next level. So we have a line of cream pies that are launching this fall that are the first non-GMO project verified cream pies on the market. Uh, and that'd be fun. You know, no one else is doing it. Just, I mean, it's it's a difficult process. I mean, there's right. a ton of labor that goes into our, you know, into our manufacturing process. But we really see that there's a, a market opportunity to kind of disrupt these, you know, larger traditional players in in desserts. Yep, ab- absolutely. Yeah, it's looking looking for that that opportunity. The other thing that's interesting is within the space frozen. Frozen has its own challenges, of course, but it also has some good points to it, which is as opposed to like a fresh pie delivery where we're talking days as soon as you make it, you've got a little time, a little shelf life to deal with. But what about this idea of the space for, you know, nobody's making any more freezer space. Sure. So how do you how do you make that pitch to say, okay, guys, you can drop, you know, if you've got four different apple pies, let's say from Sara Lee and whatever, you know, you can drop a couple of those. How, how sure. do you go about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's really funny because you mentioned that the the sales per point of distribution, and that's the metric we lean into, you know, in all of our sales decks. It's circled and highlighted and so on and so forth because retailers have to sell one of our pies in comparison to two of two of the other customers. 
Yeah. Right. And so, you know, we look at that as, you know, an opportunity to come in and say, hey, we don't need to replace your whole lineup. You know, let's just look at it at a couple slots here where we can offer a premium offering for those consumers, raise the overall all, overall price tag and performance of, of the category. And that's really what we see we're doing. So retailers that we've partnered with, and we have some great case studies of this here in the Pacific Northwest, that retailers that bring in our product, they'll see overall growth in the cat in, you know, in their their category because we're driving that department growth just right. because there's a higher price tag on, you know, on that premium offering and there's consumers willing to pay it. I always say that when, when folks are going over to a dinner party, you bring a nice bottle of wine or you want to bring a food item that is really premium quality, right? You don't want to bring it. You don't want to be the guy who brings a crappy gift. Right. And no, no. We, we fill that niche. And so folks who are going over to their family's house for, for dinner, who don't want to make a pie from scratch, we're the next closest thing to pies from scratch. <laughs> That's really great. So let me ask you, the, the family or company or whatever, are they still growing and processing as well? Or is yeah, it separate? Yeah. yeah, great question. So we still do grow a lot of the berries that go into our products today. So the, the family's still actively farming here in the Willamette Valley. We we no longer freeze the, the fruit ourselves. And so we've, we've kind of separated off that part of the company and we still have a really tight relationship with them. And so they they freeze our for, fruit for us. And then that, you know, comes into our finished products. Right. Got it. So a little bit of diversification there for that. Yep. 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 But it gives a different perspective, I think, when you have knowledge of the whole process from tree to package than it does if you're just buying some large bins of, of fruit and turning them into something. Yeah, certainly. I mean, we work really closely with, you know, with the farms and then other local family farms that we know as well and you know to monitor monitor crops and then also i mean we've been a big driver of growth you know as we take as we provide essentially a commerce vehicle for fruit grown here in the pacific northwest right let's talk a little bit about because the supply chain being on top of mind with everybody and whatever first how did covid affect you guys what did you do and then how's the supply chain management been yeah you know, COVID was interesting because, you know, pies actually fared pretty well during during the COVID timeframe. Folks were... <laughs> yeah, you know, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, it's a comfort food. And then folks, you know, they weren't having large gatherings, but they were still eating pie and celebrating and, you know, at home. And so we saw that we saw a drop in our fresh bakery sales, certainly as less people were, were in stores, but frozen sales really saw, saw a strong boost. You know, navigating the supply chain challenges is, is still today. I mean, it hasn't gone away whatsoever. We have to get, we have to be very, very active and proactive with our supply chain partners. And so we spend a lot of time, we've doubled our staff in our, our supply chain department just to make sure that we have, we're spending enough time with suppliers, giving them forecasts, you know, buying very long on ingredients that are at risk. You know, we had, we had 98%, you know, fill rates last year, which we're really, really proud of and rescued a lot of retailers at the last minute. And we've really leaned into that service. So we never overpromise. Uh, we, you know, we take the underpromise, overdeliver approach with retailers across the board. So we don't want to overextend ourselves and get into a situation where we have to short customers. Yeah. When, when you first came on board, were you looking mainly at things in operational, in, in distribution? What were you trying to tackle sort of a first first thing out of the box and, and uh and what did you think was the most important approach you need to take? Yeah, it, you know, our approach was was really twofold. So first, I wanted to get to know consumers 
and we hadn't done right. we hadn't done any consumer research. And so I spent some time just going to stores, interacting with folks, spending some time at our our retail store, watching folks come in and talking to them and understanding what they cared about about the product, right? And understanding what what are the critical to quality attributes. I visit stores really, really frequently, and my wife hates going grocery shopping with me because it takes three hours. Uh, <laughs> oh, my wife can talk. Yep, yep, they should get together and have a beer. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> because, you know, I'll be in there and I'll see somebody buy a pie and then I, I start talking to them about it. And I want to know what, you know, oh, why'd you pick that one, you know? And so I think that entrepreneurs in general, I think it's important that we spend time in the market and, you know, to understand, you know, what, what's driving consumer behavior. And so, you know, really getting to know consumers was kind of first priority there. And second was operationally, just because of the situation from with supply chain, was understanding, you know, what is our facility capable of doing? You know, where are the opportunities? You know, what do we need from a CapEx perspective to be able to support growth? And then how do we just stabilize supply chain to make sure? Because to be honest, uh, we've been sweeping up business over the last couple of years just because other, other pie suppliers in the country have had terrible fill rates. Right, they've right. service it, disruptions yeah. and retailers got to have a pie on the shelf. And so fo- we'll get a lot of calls. Hey, we got shorted. Do you have anything? And being able to immediately res- respond and pivot and ha- be agile in that aspect has been an incredible asset to us. Yeah. And yeah, there's no there's no such thing as an unfilled bunker at the end of the aisle. It right. Doesn't, that doesn't happen, you know. So good work with that opportunity. It seems to me as though there's there are a number of companies, I think, who have both, of course, gotten really hit hard. A lot of times, no fault of their own. I mean, it's transportation issues or whatever, but there have been just a lot of stories of certain categories where just items that normally the retailer would never think about, right? Because it's always there, all of a sudden is gone. And it's like, no, I gotta, I gotta be in there. So I gotta, I gotta work with it. Do you, in terms of the processing and manufacturing, is that all still in Pacific Northwest? It is. Yep. We self-manufacture everything here in Silverton, Oregon. Okay. All right. Excellent. And plant tours <laughs> with pie at the end. I come out, I'd be happy to give you a tour. No, <laughs> no problem. Let me ask you a little bit more about the new products and cream pies. You mentioned consumer feedback and stuff. Did you do some research for cream pies? Did you, or were you like getting letters going, Hey, if you guys only made a X. Yeah. You know, we had, we had a couple cream pies on the market, but just didn't have very much distribution on them. Uh, we hadn't spent very much time developing those products. And so we looked at, you know, consumer data and saw, you know, I mean, cream pies are the number one selling pies in the country. And and mainly because of, you know, the purchase occasion and ease of consumption. So the rest of our pies, all of our fruit pies are are raw. You bake them at home. And we think that that gives consumers the best quality. Cream pies are thaw and serve. So take it right out of your freezer. Uh, and within, you know, within an hour and a half, you're eating it. Uh, and so... Consumers love that. And we saw a big opportunity there, especially creating something clean label. And yeah. so we put product in front of in front of consumers and they just went crazy about it. So we, we knew we had something there. And then, you know, same thing with the, the innovation that we're doing on the fruit pie line, taking, taking that kind of premium handcrafted nature and you know, adding some artisanal touches to it. It has responded really, really well with consumers. Going back on the, on the business side for, for a little bit, in terms of the the innovations and changes, have have you guys had to deal with outside investment coming in, or able to bootstrap it? You know, we've been bootstrapping it. You know, I think that part of that is because you know our our founder and owners have you know because we grew this business very methodically and weren't chasing rapid scale. You know, we were able to you know build a profitable business, and you know we hire on, and we're still doing the same thing today. We're we're hiring on people, you know, as we can afford them. 
and you know taking on new accounts and making sure that we perform really well in those accounts, making sure we have strong velocities, making sure we maintain profitability, and then building working capital and then going after the you know some more some more distribution and taking that next step of growth. And so we've yeah we've been self financing. Yeah, in in that vein, let's let's talk about a dirty word: inflation. Mm. So you know everything. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is, labor, transportation, all the things are involved in getting product to market have gone up. How have you guys seen it? What have you done about it? And what are you looking at in the future? Gosh, it's a tough question. I wrestle with it with it daily. I think it's especially tough for, for brands that are, are premium in nature because they're already the highest priced items on the shelf. Right. So when you're already the highest price item, it's even tougher to to take those to pass through those price increases. So we've really uh, we've really doubled down on innovation. We've offered some smaller pack sizes, some smaller pies, uh, you know, some different offerings in that aspect to help kind of offset the rising costs. You know, to try to reduce the amount of you know price increase that we're passing on to consumers. We we want folks to be able to enjoy the pies, and we know it's hurting everybody. I mean, it's hurting our our employees here, you know, I mean, it costs them twice as much to get to work every day. Yeah. So we're cognizant Boy. of that, you know, and we want to be as as uh, steward that as well as we can. We've seen all of our commodities, whether it's from weather, labor issues, supply chain issues, so on and so forth. There's just been so many things that have caused, you know, caused this you know run on prices. And, you know, we have to get really strategic about, you know, when we're buying things, watching markets, trying to hedge positions. And then, you know, really leaning into that innovation and offering smaller pack sizes, smaller options. And I think that that's, it's kind of an ongoing thing. You kind of have to fight it on multiple fronts. And yeah, and there is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy part of it. And like, for instance, if you're doing fiber or film or whatever, and you want to go a little longer on a contract and they say, oh, no, 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 we can't do that now. Right. Right. But this is the price today. We'll talk again in September or October and let you know about, you know, so don't, don't try to buy out and protect yourself because not going to, not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, how about the weather wise and all the stuff? How about the fruit situation crop for 2022? How were things? Uh, 2022 shaping up to be looking like a great year. We started harvesting, harvesting berries here not too long ago. And it's looking like a great crop. Last year was really tough. We had a heat, huge heat wave here in the Pacific yeah. Northwest. Oh yeah. Like about half of the berry crop. So it was really tight last year. You know, I don't I don't think prices are going to come down. It's there just because freezers are empty across the country. But I, I do think that we'll have a strong crop this year, which is encouraging. Yeah, there's, you know, last year, and we went through this with my friends at, at Sunrise Fresh, you know, blueberries. Oh, my God. It was, you know, a heat wave ran down to California, too. Yeah. And the problem is, which I think a lot of consumers don't understand about fruits, is that the majority of those types of fruits and berries are hand harvested. Right. Number one. And with blueberry, if a blueberry is really, really hot, you just touch it. It's gone. Right. You, you can, I guess you could juice them, but that's about all you're going to be able to do. You can't do pretty much anything else with them. So it, it, it's really tough, but glad to hear that, you know, things are looking up. Yeah. Things in cherry crop was a little light this year in California, but you know, everything peaches, everything else looks as though it's going to be pretty good. So may not add to the, add to the inflationary effect as it, as it were. What, but speaking of, so again, in the pies, you guys do blueberries, raspberries, blackberries, huckleberries, Miriam. What's the difference between what, what is a Miriam berry actually? Is it, is it one of those, it's one of those strange? <laughs> good, good question. Miriam berry is a type of blackberry. It's, yeah. you know, it's something we're really, really well known for here in the Pacific Northwest. It was, it was created here in Marion County. In okay. Oregon. 
Yep, awesome. that's where the name came from. Okay. We we have folks, we have the secret of the Marionberry revealed on the next level podcast today. No, I never knew that. I, I always knew Marion, I knew it was a blackberry, never knew where the name came from. Yeah. So that's yeah, awesome. I mean it's it's a specific variety that's grown here in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, we're really proud of it, has a great flavor, a little more more tart than you know your traditional blackberry, but really, really rich flavor. Yeah, into that. Taste trends and stuff, speaking of a little bit sour, a little bit tart or whatever. Now that all the kids who grew up on sweet tarts have gotten older and we're more concerned about sugar, obviously, and just as an, and as an ingredient, how has that affected kind of the profile tastes of the stuff you're producing? Yeah, good question. You know, we try to, in our manufacturing of pies, we make them as close to homemade as possible. So what we do is we add frozen IQF, you know, flash frozen fruit to, to the pie shell put dry mix, which is just sugar, spices, right on top of that and put a top crust on it. So it's literally as close to homemade as possible. You know, the other folks on the market, you know, they usually pre-cook their their fillings into a kind of a syrupy slurry. And you'll you'll find that in a lot of pies. We really want the fruit to speak for itself. And so we think that by using that IQF fruit, flash freezing it, you know, as fresh as possible, and then just adding a little bit of sugar and spice to the top, letting the fruit speak for itself in those pies, you know, consumers have loved it. And so, and that's, that's even translating down to younger generations. I mean, a, a lot of our, our buyers are, you know, I would say on the older end of the millennial spectrum, but you know, are, are now buy who are kind of now buying for their households and have, have kids and families at home and they're buying our products and sharing it with their family. And we've had a really good response. Some of the products that I would say we go a little bit sweeter on are some of our hand pies. You know, we offer a small little hand pie. That, okay. Uh, yeah. You know, is is just a, a folded, folded pie on the go, basically, and that's a little bit sweeter profile because people like to take it, you know, eat something on the go. So, yeah, you work with that. In 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 terms of the sort of not necessarily organization, but structure and whatever else, you guys are are partially vertically integrated, like except yeah. for the frozen part or whatever. So, do you have a do you have a good balance in the fact that you know the pie category tends to go up in the fall, but yet in the summer you guys are in the middle of harvest, so you got a lot of stuff to do? Gosh, it seems like lately we always have a lot of stuff to do. Uh, but yeah, I would say it's it's a nice balance there. I mean, pie sales are are huge during that holiday season around Thanksgiving and Christmas time. But you know, producing those pies, especially frozen, you know, starts early, you know, in summertime too. So we're already starting to build inventory for, for the holiday season. And so it definitely keeps us busy year round, but it's, you know, having that vertical integration uh, allows us to, you know, to balance, to balance labor and just to also understand, you know, the different things that can impact the market. So it gives us a pulse and connection to farmers, you know, stabilizes supply chain, which is great because we know if, Hey, if crop is going to be really short, we're going to buy as much as we can, you know, from a couple of different sources here. And we may be producing inventory and going a little long on inventory for this, you know, this time period. So it, it definitely has a ton of advantages for us. Absolutely. Talking about fruit and going forward, a lot of pressure in the, in the industry I work in, which is dried for organic and not enough organic ever available anytime it's people say, can't you get some and go, no, it was contracted a year ago and it's gone. You know, we know it, but in this idea of trying to maybe get growers to do organic, but that requires such a commitment in, in terms of how, how do you see that? Do you see that pressure? Do you, are you working with guys who are maybe trying to turn to organic? How's that look? 
Yeah, you know, we do have, we do know some farmers that are, are going organic and, and making that transition. And it's definitely, a, it's tough to convert people over. I think that there's certainly a need for more of it. And at the same time, what we find, you know, in our, in our platform in the freezer is that folks who are buying frozen don't actually, you know, when we paneled consumers, they, they just want to know where their fruit's coming from. And that was more important on whether it was organic. And whether it was organic. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so we tell that farm story and, and connect consumers, you know, with that vertical integration that, we're, you know, they want to know that it's natural fruit, where it's come from, that it's not some large, you know, conglomerate pumping it full of whatever. And so telling that farm story was more important to consumers. There's a lot of folks that are buying organic, especially on fresh, uh, you know, on the fresh side. It's, it's Of course. Yeah. You know, which is where uh, most of it goes. Frozen, I think that people really just want to know where it's coming from. Have you guys looked at export at all? Yeah, you know, we do a little bit of business in Canada right now, you know, and have had some interest there. You know, our our frozen fruit obviously goes a bunch of different places, but the, you know, for for pies specifically, we're really leaning it. I mean, there's a lot of growth still for us as we expand, you know, here in the country. And so we want to stay focused, you know, and make sure that we're serving our backyard before we we go too far out. (laughs) Always, always good. Stay with the home crowd. Yeah. Uh, As a CEO, what's your typical day? Like you get up, do you look at the stock market? Do you look at the crop report? What's your, what's your routine? Gosh, Steve, I wish I had a typical day. That'd be great. That's a loaded question. I knew it. You know, I think that especially in, you know, the current supply chain and, you know, political and economic, you know, situation, I think it's a tough job for leaders in general, regardless of what role they're in, just to understand, you know, there's so many things. I, I always say that, we're in the people business. We're not in the pie business. You know, there's people that are making our products. There are people that are producing the ingredients that go into our products and there's people buying our products. And so I'm concerned about, uh, you know, what's, what's impacting all of them and all of those different things and how that's all interconnected. And so we place a, we're as a family company, we put family as our kind of our core priority. And so, yeah, I mean, my typical day uh, starts really early. I have a, I have a one-year-old son at home too. So that is inevitably starts early, but yeah, starts early. I definitely take a look at all, you know, kind of industry news, anything that's happening from a, from a crop perspective, also from a, you know, general you know news on the CPG side of the business, you know, start early. Our manufacturing facilities run 24 hours a day. So get in, make sure I visit, you know, down on the floor and check in with folks, see how, you know, see how manufacturing is progressing. Yeah. And then it's, you know, try to spend a lot of time, you know, on the, on the market side. So whether that's in grocery stores or connecting with consumers, responding to consumer feedback, you know, really staying close, you know, keeping a close pulse on what's happening on, you know, the consumer side as well. Right. Keep that, yeah, keep that going. So we're going to, we're going to get ready for new cream pie launch, obviously. And then how are cobblers doing? Cobblers are doing, doing really well. You know, we launched those a number of years ago. And it's a smaller serving size. So it's a great for, you know, a small family. If there's two or three of them, two or three people that don't, you know, want to consume a whole nine inch pie. It's a great product for, you know, for after dinner, you know, dessert just on a normal weekday. And so we are, we're leading growth in conventional and natural for, for cobblers. Smaller market than, you know, traditional sure. pies. We see there's a, there's a ton of opportunity for it. So. Yeah, I'm one. Of, I'm one of those customers for the cobblers. I I prefer cobbler. I don't know <laughs> ratio of fruit to crust, maybe whatever. Right, exactly. Well, you know, and we really lean in in our cobbler to do a, a we do a true cake batter, so which is old, old fashioned cobbler. Oh yeah, okay, yep. 
we pour a cake batter in it and then put all of that IKF fruit right on top with a little bit of you know cinnamon and sugar. And so you can see that frozen fruit as you're buying the cobbler right through the window in our packaging. And then, I mean, consumers love that getting to see what they're about to consume. So, yeah, that, that, that works for sure. In, in terms of, you mentioned a little while back about demographics. Yep. So it, it's, you know, one of the things of dealing with a, a lot of products, a lot of CPG products chase younger demographics for you know, a couple of reasons, maybe more disposable income, or, but actually probably that's probably not true. They're probably not actually have more disposable income, but they're more willing to spend it on those things. Sure. <laughs> but it's 55 plus is, you know, fastest growing segment of the population at this point. And a lot of them, although they may not have this, what was confusing is we'll look at demographics and you look at the income, right? Right stuff. So we'll, we'll pull data and they say, wow, we're selling really well in, in, in you know, homes with less than $50,000 annual, you know, revenue, right? Income. Say, that seems strange. So, oh no, it's because they're retired and income only counts if you're working. It doesn't show what their net worth is, right. which is much more important. And, and, and in fact, they're out spending on stuff that they really want. But do you address in, in your product, you know, do you, do you look at the fact that some of those people, whatever, are retired or, or maybe, you know, whatever, whatever the, the, the demographics would say to you, how do you match that up versus, okay, these are where we're going to go with products or sizes or prices? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that the, the wonderful thing about pie is that I haven't found anybody who doesn't like it yet. <laughs> so, I don't eat pie. Yes. You're right. Exactly. You know, it's just, it is a, it's a fun, it's a fun product. I mean, our demographic is families, you know, and so, and that's, that ranges certainly, I mean, you know, depending on the household that's buying it, but like typically you don't eat a nine inch pie by yourself. I've done that. I've done it a few times and (laughs) it's a little dangerous. There's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of pie, but you typically you're sitting down at a table and sharing it and it creates, it creates community, creates family. And so we're really focused on, on that piece of it. It's, you know, we do see that there's a, a boost in purchasing from that 55 and older group that are, I would say, living a slower pace of life, you know, and there's something special about, right. It's not a snack bar. You don't eat it on the go while you're driving to work. You know, you sit down and you right. cut it into it and you enjoy it. And so that's something really special about what we, what we do here. And so we see a boost on that 55 and older community. And then we also see, you know, this, this millennial, you know, parent who's, who's now for, you know, has a, has a growing household and yep. is now starting to host gatherings and, and have people over and that sort of thing. Those are kind of the two kind of prime markets for us. Good stuff. Let me ask you if people want more information. I know you're not available everywhere yet, but can they go to a website and find out where you are located? Yeah, definitely. So www.wvpi.com. So we shortened Willamette Valley. Hey, I like it. Yeah. So wvpi.com. We, you know, we do ship online e-commerce all over the country. So if folks want to get a pie delivered, uh, you know, for the holidays, you know, we, we do a ton of that during that holiday season. And then, you know, we're expanding distribution, you know, really at a, at a pretty good rate. So we'll be on the stores seasonally in quite a few stores across the country. So, you know, watch for us in Whole Foods and some Kroger banners and so on and so forth this fall. So from a CEO's perspective, do you, do you increase the size of the plant first or do you get the distribution first? Ah, good question. Just gosh, the, the battle there, right? It's a little, it's a little of both. You know, we've, like I said, we are making sure that we grow profitably and that's, you know, it's one of the sort of kind of our values and guardrails and how we're growing this business. And so we are uh, selling in and selling in product, going after new distribution 
and then you know already have plans for what that next phase of capex looks like and ha already have a full you know production layout and so on and so forth and timelines and have done a lot of that legwork ahead of schedule so that as soon as we know a sales landing you know that's going to require some build out that we're ready to go on it right yeah and 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 luckily at cpg we're usually a little bit planning further out because our major retailers are planning further out. Exactly. And, yeah. With, with the sales cycle being 12 months, you know, in the freezer, you know, it, it helps from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things with working with some of the smaller folks I've worked with was getting used to a shorter timeline because, right. you know, I was used to like people call me up and I had somebody actually send an email the other day and said, Oh, you know, we're getting ready for, for Christmas or whatever. And I'm going Christmas, you know, Nestle, we would put that in the books, you know, five months ago. Christmas. Sure. We're working on spring, you know, <laughs> what are you been talking about? So it's it's good to good to have that. Well, hey, I really appreciate Austin you taking time to be with us today and be on the program. Tell us a little bit more about Willamette Valley Pies. Uh folks, you can go to wvpie.com to get for information and, and you can order some, in fact. So it'd be even better. We have a, a a way of putting our guests a little bit on the spot and on the program, and that is to try to get them to offer some advice to fellow entrepreneurs and and team members, a lot of folks who are working in, you know, growing companies out there. We call it words to grow by, and it could be a phrase, could be a quote, could be your favorite, whatever you got hanging on the wall in your office. Do you have something for us? Yeah, you know, there's a there's a quote by Maya Angelou that I uh, that I absolutely love, and it says that I'm I'm gonna mess up the phrasing, but it Sorry. says that no one will remember what you did, no one will remember what you said, but they will always remember how you how you made them feel. Ah. And it is it's been a powerful quote for me is, you know, as I, as I've grown in my career of just remembering that there are people on the other side of every interaction and, you know, making sure that we focus on and cre creating those interactions, creating that positive experience for them and impacting people, because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that sort of at the top of the show too, about how we have a large industry, but we have a pretty small circle. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the bottom of my, my signature on my, my email is uh, the opposite of networking is not working. And, uh, you know, when I look back, you know, my career's 30 years at this point, there are people that I've worked with at six, seven different companies sure. over the period of time. And CPG churns people a lot, especially in the larger companies and people where, you know, uh, in just treating them right and being, you know, being, being courteous, if you can't be anything else, I mean, you can't always be helpful. You can't always give them a job. You can't always give them an order. But you can at least always be courteous and and be concerned about what they're doing because everybody's got their got their thing going on. So great advice, great quote, love it. Uh, that that works for us. So hey, thanks a lot, we appreciate it. And maybe you come back and see us again and, and talk about after the cream pie launch and talk about how you're just taking over the world. Sounds great. Well, really, really appreciate it, Steve. Had a ton of fun. Hey, thank you so much, and thanks everybody else out there for joining us today for another Next Level Brands podcast. Thanks as well to NextLevelBrands.com for production assistance. We are always grateful for feedback and comments we get. If you have an idea for a show topic or a special guest, please feel free to let us all know. I'm Steve Clear. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.